Welcome to the TJ Tells It podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and this is your straight talk guide to the health and fitness lifestyle by a non-traditional fitness enthusiast. Have you ever said, I could never complete a 5K, lift weight, take a spin class? Do you ever think, I wish I could eat healthier, take more time for self-care, and actually stick with it? Maybe you're afraid to go to the gym because you don't know where to start or what to do, or are you just looking for a little motivation to get out the door? If any of that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. Each episode, you'll hear the truth about how to start a health and fitness lifestyle with tips and tricks to staying on track and motivated, as well as the ins and outs of becoming a healthier, more optimal you. As a bonus, I'll introduce you to some of my favorite wellness enthusiasts around. Lace up your shoes and let's get this journey started. Hi, welcome to the TJ Tells It podcast. This is TJ, your host, and today I'm bringing you an interview with my younger, older sister, Shonda, who is a licensed physical therapist in the state of Georgia and has her very own concierge physical therapy practice where she helps those with low back pain and lower extremities uh, get right and tight. So Shonda, say hi to the people. Hi to the people. See, you know, you let your family come on your podcast and they're jerks about participating in the process but I guess since she sometimes has decent things to say I'll let it continue and we'll go on with the interview it's the only way to keep it entertaining well yes I'm sure people are now laughing hysterically we're gonna have to give them a moment to catch their breath because yeah comedy because you're funny oh wait no you're not people think so yeah. I mean, if you count yourself as more than one person, then yeah, maybe you are funny. Well, there are several me's. I have a collective, but it's all good. But luckily the collective her has very good tips, tricks, and all the things to help with your low back pain, lower extremity pain, and just keeping you uh, functioning. <laughs> and, you know, I'm all about being able to move efficiently and participate in all the activities that you want to participate in. She also has her very own story um, for her health and fitness journey. So we will talk a little bit about that and how she got to being Dr. Shanta Hadley, DPT. And uh, then I'll let her tell all the things so that we can all keep ourselves moving and reaching those goals that we're striving for. So let's start at the beginning. How did you get into physical therapy and what is your kind of road into physical therapy? Super long story short, I was always a very active kid, uh, tomboy, if you want to use that terminology. So I played all the sports and I had uh, really and truly, I had lots of injuries and lots of aches and pains, which in the long run has really helped me to be able to relate to my current patients and, you know, be able to um, empathize with them. Uh, Skipping all the way up to, let's say, college, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. I don't like chemistry, so being a bio-pre-med major was not the best thing for me. I switched over to physical therapy, I mean, sorry, physical education, and then proceeded to want to be an exercise physiologist. So I went to go get a master's degree in exercise physiology and After my first year discovered, mm -mm, didn't want to do it that deep. 
So after that, I then came back home and, you know, was working. You had to go through the whole finding yourself bit and deciding what you want to do. And I started looking into physical therapy because my mother and my aunt, who was also a physical therapist, you know, suggested that I, you know, consider it. So I looked into it and I was like, okay, this is like the next journey, the next, you know, spot in my journey because I already had a bachelor's and then a master's and then they're now offering DPTs. And um, my whole goal was to be a doctor at some point. So that's where I got even more interested. Uh, Skipping around, I eventually started playing football for the women's team here in Atlanta. I ended up with an ACL tear in my left knee. It's a ligament. I'm going to stop you for a second Mm because here's what she's not telling you people. It's not flag football or touch football. No, she decided that she wanted to play tackle football, like pads, the whole nine yards. She never played a tackle football game. Maybe, maybe touch, touch football occasionally. And she's going to jump bad and be like, oh, I want to play tackle football. And she had my mother and I sitting out in the cold and it was a scrimmage game first of the season. So I'm like, I've geared up and I have collected what Kindle books I'm going to watch. Cause y'all know I'm not trying to watch sporting events that people watch. Once people watch isn't done. I got a book to read while I cheer when everybody else cheers. And then sometimes when they're not cheering, cause I'm cheering for the wrong team, but that's neither here nor there. And then she gets injured and I was like, I had a plan for watching this stuff. And now I get to sit in the comfort of my home and read books. So maybe it wasn't such a bad thing, but anyway, I'll just tell your ACL to tear story, but it was tackle football guys, tackle football. Yes, it was tackle football and it was awesome. Um, I played football as a kid and we used to tackle in the grass, but I was a little too rough for the boys that I played with. So we didn't do that too often. And then I did also play flag football my first semester of college. So uh-huh. there, there's lots of football in there. But anywho. Right. So I tore my ACL. However, I do believe it was already partially torn, giving the um, very astounded look on the radiologist's face of how shredded it was um, when he looked at the MRI and said he'd never seen anything like it uh, when I was doing Taekwondo. So um, during my black belt recommended testing, I did injure that same knee and it hurt like I don't know what. And I actually, looking back on it, rehab myself doing lunges and squats and things when I got back home. And yeah, so it was already a little damaged. So I didn't even feel the typical pain that most people feel when their ACL pops. So when it happened, it was just like, oh, crap, I fell down. But now my knee won't move because my kneecap moved out of place just a little bit. So when the trainer came out, she popped it back in and I felt instant relief of the pressure. So that is how it really all happened. In my rehab, I was like, I could really do this. I, I can do this because I had gone away from, from it. This was like three years later after I started looking into it. So I came back and I was like, I, I can do it. So then that's when I really got back into doing my volunteer hours that we have to do to get into school. And then there came the movie Just Right. Have y'all seen it? Because it's good. Queen Latifah, Common, you know, basketball, good stuff. So that just motivated me even more to do it because I was like, I could see myself doing this kind of stuff. 
and it just pushed me. So 2011, I'm back at my undergrad school of Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, and we started PT school. It, it was awesome from there. Okay. Hard, but awesome. Yeah, I learned a lot about the body during her physical therapy schooling because, yeah, that was that, that long distance learning. I learned all the things I didn't really want to know. Now, have I remembered it all? Yeah, enough to be dangerous with it, really. But I try not to self-diagnose and whatnot. So thank you for telling that story. So, you know, it seems like you took your personal experiences and developed a career. And now you are a physical therapist, physical therapist with your own business. And how did you get to the point of helping people with low back and lower extremity issues? Mostly the low back part, because I have low back pain myself. Lower extremities, generally where my injuries occurred. I mean, I've had an ACL tear. I've had sprained ankles. Um, you know, I even have a bunion, y'all. I mean, not that y'all really want to know that, but I have one. So, them feet, boo. Mm. There's nothing wrong with my feet, per se. But anyway, so yeah, I'm just more comfortable with that. I relate better and more to the low extremity and low back period. And if you can relate, you're going to provide better service. Um, I mean, I can do shoulders and necks, and I mean, I can do the whole back, but. I prefer low back and lower extremity. As with most people, their interest starts internally. Oh, I shouldn't say most people. A lot of people who are passionate about helping others, whether they get paid or not, it tends to start with a personal experience. And the I find that when I go to therapists for whatever it may be, whether it's maintenance, when I go um, to the chiropractor, or if I have you know, in physical therapy for any injury or foot injury or things like that, the therapist that I've encountered with personal experience with the injury can relate better to patients and those kinds of things. Before we start talking about what the people need to know to kind of keep a daily maintenance, let's talk a little bit about what your superpower is. What is your superpower? My superpower is being able to break down the information so that people can understand it. Generally, I'm, you know, I just keep it real with the people. And if I, I don't like to speak the, you know, scientific medical lingo all the time, I need you to know what I'm saying. Because <laughs> y'all didn't go to PT school, so I don't need to P speak PT to you. Um, so if, if it's your butt, it's your butt. I'm not going to always say your gluteus maximus or your gluteus medius. I mean, I will in educating you, but not, not just in everyday speak. I, I will not. Um, if we're talking about nerves, I'll say, hey, there's a nerve that runs down this way. And usually I'm in person, so I'm hands on. So I'll, you know, I may touch you and let you know where it goes and, and show you. And then, you know, just, just say, hey, this is what happens when it's pressed on or it's, you know, being caught up in another joint or something like that, which is called impingement. So you learn something, there you go. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty good at breaking it down. I like to just keep it simple. 
I like it. I like it. Uh, on a previous episode, when I was talking about how to stay motivated during COVID, what the very first tip that I have is to keep it simple. Don't try and complicate it. Don't go saying you're going to do these two day workouts five times a week. And then on the sixth day, you're going to do a third workout since it's a Saturday or a Sunday or today, tomorrow, or yesterday, because, you know, days of the week during this time is renamed, as I like to say, so that I never really have to know what day of the week it is. But the ability to simplify technical terms so that people can help themselves when they need to is also a fantastic uh, superpower. Now, you mentioned while talking about your superpower that um, you may touch a person to help them adjust or figure out how to best treat them. In the world where we're doing social distancing and you're a part of your business is to do remote treatment. How, how do you help a person remotely without touching them, given that physical therapy is normally a contact treatment? Well, this is the part we get paid for, actually. Therapy costs what it costs because we have to use our brains all of the time. It may seem like we're just counting and we're just massaging and telling you what to do, but no, all the while we are thinking about how to do it, why you're doing it, what could happen if you do it this way or versus that way and all that kind of thing. So we have to then think more. It's, it's going to be a little bit different thought process. If I can't put my hand on you to feel it, I'm going to have to have you move certain ways and tell me how you feel as best you can. You're going to have to point to yourself <laughs> and tell me exactly where it hurts. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to dig that much deeper into my knowledge, my, my, my suitcase of knowledge and really pull it out in that way. You know, you can, um, get the best treatment. Okay. I like that. So how, how do you recommend that a person who is doing one of these remote visits for the very first time, communicate with their therapist about what kind of pain they're feeling, where they're feeling it at, especially when you don't have the lingo necessarily to use. Usually I find myself telling people, just say it. They'll say, I don't know what to say or how to say, or I don't really want to say, no, just say it. Cause more than likely we've heard it. So if you just say it, we'll, we'll get it. Or at least I will. I mean, everybody treats differently, but Given my vast majority of aches and pains that I've had over my <laughs> over my life, uh, I, I can relate pretty well to something you say. So really just say it. Say exactly how it feels. Whatever you feel. If you feel burning, say it burns. If you feel a shooting pain, say it's shooting. If you feel like you can't touch it, it's dull, but you can't pinpoint it, say that because I've had all those pains. So usually I can figure something out and, and we can go from there. Just, just say it. How important is it to communicate with your medical team as a whole when going through treatment and if something isn't working, but you, you went in, you met with a therapist or you did a Zoom call, they gave you your home exercises and you're doing them, but you don't feel like you're progressing any better. At what point do you communicate that and how should, and how often should you communicate with your physical therapist? If, okay, so if you're having, say you came in with sharp pain and maybe 
three to four days later, you're still having sharp pain, depending on what you're you're doing or what your situation is, then you need to contact your therapist. The therapist shouldn't have any issues with you contacting them, you know, when you need it. We want to know what's going on because then we might need to make an adjustment. You have to tell us everything. We prefer to know everything. If you think it's too much, it might not be enough because it could be that one little thing that you did or didn't do that is the problem. You could say, you know, oh, well, I did sleep on the floor yesterday, you know, for an hour. And so now yada, yada. And, you know, this pain is increased or whatever. That changes some things because then we're thinking about how you're positioned on the floor, you know, what kind of stability there is with the floor and things like that. I mean, I've had a lot of people say, I have to ask them, oh, you know, if it's a back issue or a neck issue, what kind of bed do you have? What's your mattress like? Oh, I got memory foam or it's really soft. Ooh, okay. That's probably your issue. It's probably too soft for you. Some people cannot, they don't have the strength to be able to, you know, get up out of that bed without straining something. So especially like with my older population, it's like your bed's too soft. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have the strength for that. Um, so we might need to make an adjustment. It, it, there are a lot of different things that go into it. So you, you want to be as honest and tell as much as you can about your habits. As so possible. just so that y'all know, that is my three-year-old nephew in the background. Um, we are trying to do an interview and he um, is asking what we're doing and learning all the things. So if you hear things in the background, that's what it is. It's just like on some of my episodes, you may hear Zoe because she decides when I start to record that drinking water or shaking her tags is the appropriate thing to do. That's life. So there's another insight into our lives. The three-year-old, he comes in and asks, what are you doing? And then goes back to what he's doing. So, you know, it happens. But speaking of, you've gotten this fancy mattress and you're having these pains and you tell your physical therapist and your response is, well, the mattress is too soft. What's the solution to that? Because I know if I just bought a mattress and I'm like, oh, this feels great, except for when I get up, but I can't return it now. What's the, what are some things that people can take into consideration and or adjust about the use of the mattress that would help? My first thing is really going to talk about positioning. How, how do you sleep? What position do you sleep in? Do you sleep on your back? Do you sleep on your side? Do you sleep on your stomach? Not recommended, by the way, just to let y'all know. But if you do, we have some uh, positioning techniques to give you. You know, on your back, you want pillows under your knees. Um, I, lot, I like to tell people a lot of times, if you've ever been in a hospital bed, kind of like how you're positioned in a hospital bed. That's, that's one of the better positions because you want your back to be flat. If you are on your side, a side sleeper, you want a pillow between your knees. All of these things help to provide proper alignment in your spine. If you are on your stomach, you want to put a pillow underneath your hips, or, or pelvis area so that your back is then not overly excessively arched um, while you're sleeping. So I, I start with that. If you can't, if you can't get a new mattress, we're going to work on some 
uh, positioning. And then we're going to work on strengthening so that you can get up and out of that bed without, you know, straining. or Speaking of strengthening and maintenance so that you can live your everyday life, have a functional kind of fitness level, what, what do you have? What's your number one thing that you find yourself telling everyone when they come to you and they're like, I want to, I need to increase my functional fitness level. Okay. So in reality, they're not going to come to you and say, I want to increase my functional fitness level, functional fitness being the ability to do the everyday tasks to live your life. But if someone comes to you and says, I'm struggling with sweeping the floor, or I just want to feel stronger and be supported and do everyday maintenance, what's your number one tip that you have for people? Usually after some conversation, most people need to stretch. Stretching is like the number one thing. Uh, a lot of people just have tight muscles. Some people need to go on massage massage therapy maintenance plans, which therapists can do. But sometimes it's really just as simple as you should just get a massage once a month. Some people are high stress and that causes the issue. Some people just need to stretch more and I will teach them how to do that. Um, explain, you know, why these muscles need to stretch and what happens when they're not stretched and where some of these aches and pains come from. Um, some of, some of the other things would be nutrition based. So water intake, what they're eating and depending on my population, then it'll, there'll be some medications involved. So, and what they can do for you or what they hinder because some medications do and how we can, you know, combat that. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about stretching because I know a lot of my listeners are runners or they do HIIT workouts or they do yoga on a regular basis. And what types of stretches should be part of the everyday world of a kind of an active person? The number one stretch we do not do that we, um, and muscle that we work, that we are not very aware that we're working is our calf muscles. So stretching our calves, that that's number one. Every time you walk, you are working your calf. So a lot of people think that because they're walking, they're stretching their calves. And I'm like, no, no, you're using your calf. You're working the muscle. So we need to stretch it. Uh, number two, I think I would say hamstrings. And that's more so for people with, um, with either some low back pain, knee pain, because that muscle covers those two areas a lot. For those so people who don't know where the hamstrings are, get, give, us that, give us that layperson definition. Hamstrings. So how I like to break it down sometimes, where is the ham on the pig? It's in the back, right? It's the butt. So it's the back side of your leg, of your, your upper leg. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that. Okay. So you... Calf stretch, if anybody who's done in-training with me as their run lead who did their um, big five to cool down, so stretching the five major muscle groups after a run or a workout, knows that I save the calf stretching for the end, and it is my favorite and love to do it. on a Putting, putting both feet onto a stair, sliding one foot back halfway to that kind of divot in your shoe and dropping your heel down with your leg straight and then bending the knee so that you can stretch both parts of the calf. So, you know, I maybe I learned a little something 
from her. No, that's not, that's not really true. I discovered that all by myself and nothing to do with my physical therapist sister telling me anything, but that's neither here nor there. And then your hamstrings. So what's a good stretch or a good, what position should I be in to be able to stretch my hamstrings? Say I'm standing up because I don't have a place to lay down. What's the best way to stretch hamstrings? The most effective stretch for your hamstrings is actually in the standing position with your heel propped up on maybe a stool or some books, the curb, but propped up. You kind of want your your foot maybe about a foot off the ground, and then you just kind of lean at your hips. Make sure your back is straight. That is the number one thing I have to tell people. Keep your back straight. You should feel it in that hamstring. If you really feel it, you're doing it right. You don't want to feel tearing or some burning, searing pain, but you should feel a, a pull, feel a stretch. So yeah, you're leaning, you are got your foot, your heel propped up, and then you're just leaning, leaning forward. like you're So if I don't have a toes. curb available to me, is standing with my feet about shoulder width apart and t- reaching for my toes with the ultimate goal being to touch my toes without bending my knees, a good way to do the stretching? Yes. Because, you know, you say that you're like, prop your heel up and bend over. And I'm like, face plant. Y'all know, mm-mm, I am not trying to face plant. Oh, mm-mm, I can't do it. So give me give me the level ground hamstring stretch <laughs> rather than up, up on a block without a person kind of holding me up and whatnot. Does that work with different positioning of my feet but keeping them about shoulder width apart? Yes, you can do it that way with your both feet on the ground. <laughs> that is definitely a way to do it. Still, the most important part of doing that stretch is keeping your back straight if you want okay. to Okay, keep my back straight, feet on the ground, shoulder width apart, and reach for my toes with the goal being to touch my toes. And then if I'm real good, putting my hands flat on the ground, is that too much? Or should I shoot for the toes being the ultimate goal? You really want to shoot for just not hurting yourself at the time. But if you can get your hands flat, that's fine. If you can get them to your toes, that's fine too. What you want to do is just increase (laughs) from where you started. Because if you can only go to your knees at first, that's fine. If you can get down to your shin, that's even better eventually. You want to get to where you can get to without... So stretching my hamstrings in my cat, how often should I do that? Should I... I know that they say you should do your stretches at the end of your run. And so... that's pretty ingrained after physical activity to stretch. But how often when, uh, let's say on a rest day, should I be stretching hamstrings, calves, glutes, and your arms and things like that? How often do I need to be doing some sort of a stretching regimen? I would say the standard three to five days a week. You don't have to do it every day. If you're in therapy, we're going to say every day. We're going to say every day, twice a day, really and truly. But if you're just, you know, going through your workouts and you have an off day, just do it on your off days. I mean, one one time a day is fine on your off days. Okay, awesome. So, ooh, guys, we just had permission from a licensed physical therapist that says that three to five days a week of stretching is good. We don't have to do it every day. I, of course, try and do it. It's, if I feel tight, I'm going to go ahead and do it every day. But you don't have to beat yourself up if you're only doing it a few days a week. That sounds like winning to me. I'll take the little pieces from my sister that 
benefit me, of course, and I will claim those as my own and then say, you told me it was okay when things don't go the way they're supposed to, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so next, so we- Yeah, they do. Younger siblings, that's why. Hey, you love us. We're awesome people. Let's let's talk a little bit. So so now we have this kind of maintenance regimen of stretching, that being the number one goal. And I know you need to do core exercises to keep your core strong because that kind of propels you through just about any activity, regardless of the sport that you're doing. Let's talk about when you go and things don't go exactly as planned. And maybe maybe you have a fall or you feel something kind of weird or you're like, oh, that kind of hurts. At what point do you need to contact a professional or do you start with rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation, or is it a combination of the two? So she started off with what I was going to start off with, which was, which is rice. So yes, rice. Now, if you have, I know things, I know things, people, she knows some stuff. If you have anything like, oh, bones protruding from your skin and immediate, like, like super swelling, you probably want to see. Um, you mean I can't just put duct tape on that? I mean, you can if you don't like yourself. Feel free, but no, we, we want to. Yeah, we want to go emergency room, urgent care when some things like that happen. But if you say you're running and you kind of, you know, you you turn your ankle a little bit, um, but you but you notice, you know, some pain and some aching like the rest of the day. Yes, rest, ice, compression, elevation. After about maybe depending on how severe it was. If after a week, for sure, it is still the same pain, still intense, you definitely need to see uh, your physician or a therapist. You can walk into therapy clinics now and or call a therapist and see them direct access. So we can we can treat you for at least 30 days before you have to see a doctor. And sometimes that'll solve the problem. Awesome. So what about you know, there's this big debate, heat versus ice. And when you're immediately injured, which one should you go for? And how often? Okay, and then one other thing for for my beginners out there, when you're you're, you're now all pumped up and motivated to go work out, and so you hit the gym, and you're like, I'm gonna do all the things. Which let's not do that, but you know, people have to learn their lesson. How do you tell the difference between soreness and an injury? Soreness usually goes away in about two to four days. It just depends on how sore you are. You know, they have this, we have what we call DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness. And so you're hurting, you're sore. You work out on Monday and on Wednesday, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't move. That is normal. It happens. But if by Sunday you still can't move, you might be injured. And usually injuries are 
there's a lot more there's a lot more burning you cannot move whatever it is the way you're supposed to move it like if you can't reach your head over your arm like at all i mean over your head your arm over your head see maybe i have a tongue injury but if you can't reach your arm over your head then and you normally can then you might have an injury and there's a, a an associated pain with it then yeah we have we have some problems but sometimes there's soreness and tightness and that's where your heat and your and your ice maybe will come in so if after a week again you're still in significant pain then you may be injured okay good to know good to know so for those of us who figured out that we're just sore and not injured do you have any recommendations on how to help with the soreness, combat it. I always tell people eat an extra dose of protein and make sure your water intake is what it needs to be and then some. Do you have any other kind of tips or tricks that will help prevent DOMS or help you make it through once you hit that point where you're like, oh, that 50th squat was not a good idea? Yes, definitely increase your water intake. You might need to increase your electrolytes. You want to do some light stretching. Heat is often good. Sometimes ice, like immediately after um, any intense workout activity, ice is good. It helps get down the inflammation, which will somewhat curb some of the the uh, muscle soreness that you'll have later on. So you mean like the dreaded ice bath, like the 15? Yeah. Bath. I, I'm a huge fan of the ice bath. The, I mean, the... I feel like it's the quickest, immediate, like, oh my God, I had a really long run or a hard workout, take an ice bath. And for, I set a timer for like 15 minutes. I leave all my clothes on, socks included, get in, then dump the ice on, hit go on the timer. (laughs) And then I'm immediately out afterwards, but I feel like I get the biggest benefit from it. So there's, there's something to be said about an ice bath. Yes. People don't like it. But I promise you, they are very, very effective. And it doesn't always have to be an ice bath. If you have a, a, a specific spot, you can get an ice pack <laughs> and put it on there. And re- just remember, do not leave your ice on for more than 20 minutes. It reverses the effect. So no no more than 20 minutes. And then also... Good to know. Yes. So 20 minutes in an ice bath or 20 minutes with an ice pack on and you're good to go. Actually, with an ice bath? You don't even have to do 20 minutes because that's very direct. So you might want to go with five to seven minutes with an ice bath. Anything that's that direct and very contact, you know, immediate contact to the skin like that. Yeah, you can do it for a shorter period of time. Okay, awesome. 12 minutes is like my magic moment. 12, 15, I'm like, yeah, those are three minutes. But 12 minutes seems to do do the trick when I start with the get in the cold water and then dump the ice on. 12 minutes later, get out because gee, whoo. Anything that you recommend for just the nutrition side of keeping your muscles strong? Water, water, water. All right. So she wants us to drink water, people. I do. I want y'all to drink water. Your 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 muscles need the water <laughs> to to stay hydrated. If they if they dry up, we'll say like jerky, it's not going to be too fun. We we don't like that. So. Keep them hydrated, keep them nice and plump so they can do what they need to do. They need to be able to move and stretch and and do all the things that you need them to do so that you can have awesome, awesome mobility. Well-balanced meals. Let's not make it complicated. 
just have a well-balanced meal. So you, you need some fats, you need proteins, you need carbs. Carbs are important people. They are your energy. It's, it's about the type of carbs that you have. We don't want fried chicken and, you know, fried fish and just all the ham hocks and things of that nature. But we, we do need some carbs. Rice is good. Oats are good. Just, you know, let's just stay healthy with it. We want to take care of our heart. It is a muscle. So it also needs to be hydrated and fed. And it's what pumps the blood to our other muscles to keep them moving. That's, that's where it's, it's highly important. So vegetables, fruits. I mean, obviously different people have different situations. If you're diabetic, you're not going to have as many fruits and things because they're kind of, you know, high in sugar, but you have to make those adjustments. But yeah, just well-balanced meals. And if you're my patient, sometimes it gets a little bit more specific. We talk about diet and I'll make suggestions as to what needs to be changed based on what you're telling me and based on your current situation. So, you know, we want to be well-balanced. All right. Thank you for that information. So drinking water is key and eating the diet that works best, that's balanced for your body that allows you to perform seems to be the takeaways from that one. I really like it. So we're going to move into what I call the crowdsource question part of the interview. And the first question I got from the people of the internet, also known as my like three friends that responded to my poll, but that's the three over there. New listeners, old listeners, if you ever have questions, shoot me over because I go find people who have the knowledge and get information for you. So the first question I have for you is why do you think insurance, health insurance that is, is more likely to pay for a physical therapy visit versus a chiropractic visit? Physical therapy tends to address more of the body systems. It's a little more medical. So, you know, with chiropractors, they're focusing mostly on joints and how they're aligned. And I'm going to say that's it, but not really. Some, some people do more, but that's their general basis, focusing on your joints and how they're aligned. And they do what they need to do to get them back into alignment. Physical therapist, we consider that plus what's causing the problem, how to fix it. We definitely have to, when we're in school, we have to learn all the systems. Um, I used to say while I was in school, I now understand why it's a doctorate because darn, we, we don't know what MDs know. We, we, we do just about. So I guess it's just, it's, it just a little bit, it encompasses a little bit more of, you know, the body systems, I guess, maybe then chiropractors are required to know. Fair enough. What are your thoughts on dry needling versus manual therapy? That was another popular question um, from the running community about dry needling, manual therapy, adjustments and things like that. So give, give, us, give us the Dr. Shonda Hadley lowdown on dry needling and manual therapy. Oh, so here's the thing. Dry needling is manual therapy. Oh, good to know. Mm-hmm. We we have to locate the the trigger point, um, which is the tight spot, the knot in the muscle, whatever you want to call it. We have to locate that. In, in order to do that, we kind of need to palpate and use our fingers and our hands. So it is a form of manual therapy. I love dry needling. If y'all could see my face, she can see my face. But if y'all could see my face, I love dry needling. I've had dry needling done. It's not for everybody. 
I did the not effects enjoy were it. Awesome. I I didn't get as much effects, and I think it was part not that it had nothing to do with the skill of the physical therapist who was doing it. It had a hundred percent to do with the fact that I don't really love needles, like kind of terrified of them, and I couldn't relax enough to get the mm-hmm. benefits of it. But people swear by it. But anyway, I interrupted you. Go ahead, go ahead. Tell us, tell us all the things about dry needling, manual therapy, and when, when should you that's, get? It I mean, that's a key point though that she made is. If you can't relax, it's not going to be as effective because you're just tightening up the muscle that we're trying to relax. So it's a little counterproductive. And I mean, that then comes down sometimes to the therapist and, and how they communicate with the patient to get them to relax. So, you know, there's a little psychology in there. But yeah, I, they all go, they go hand in hand for me. I, you know, I'm very direct with, you know, what the issue is. So I, I do trigger point releases with my hands. I do uh, mobilizations, manipulations with my hands. And the manipulation is popping the joint, you know, cracking your back, whatever it needs needs to be done, popping a knuckle. Sometimes that happens. So, so what you're telling me is that there's not all hope lost when dry needling is recommended, but does it really work because of fears or just the inability to relax? There are other ways to to skin that cat. Definitely not. Dry needling is actually more of a newer thing. So no. And manual therapy, hands-on, direct hands-on therapy has been working for many a years now. So no, all hope is not lost. It's just a newer technique that's also very effective. So last question from the people is how is physical therapy different from a chiropractic visit and then can the two work together for treatment or is both kind of overkill? I guess that's two questions, but there you go. Give us give us the skinny on PT versus chiropractic and then do the two go hand in hand, fight with each other. Is it too much? I've actually never been to a chiropractor. So I don't know everything that they do. I mean, I know that there are x-rays taken so that they can, you know, look to see what is out of alignment. They will then adjust the joints and correct the problem via manipulation. Do your patients sometimes go to both? If, if a patient came to you and said, hey, I am thinking about doing this chiropractic visit in addition to the treatment. So you say you have them on a treatment plan. They're like, oh, I normally go to the chiropractor uh, once a week. Would you recommend them holding off on chiropractic treatment? until they're finished with physical therapy, if they're treating an injury? I would say it maybe depends on their situation because everybody's different. But yeah, usually I'm like, let's see what we can do here because physical therapists can manipulate joints. We can. Okay. Okay. And then we're going to try to eliminate the problem that's causing the joint to be out of alignment. So that's, that's where the main difference is a little bit is fixing the root cause of the, the misalignment. Okay. My last question, I really meant that I have a few more questions to ask you from the people. Um, but let's, let's see. After a major fracture or such as like a broken or shattered hip, how long does recovery typically take? Fractures are usually eight to 10 weeks. Eight to 10 weeks for for the bone to come back together 
And then you get a rehab after that. So you're talking months probably after that's done. And then it will depend, I presume, on how well you do in therapy when you go to your visits, as well as doing your home strengthening and just in genes and things like that may play a role and how quickly you can get back to where you were before yes. the break. So eight to 10 weeks, maybe in a cast, depending on what your situation was. And then um, there's rehab. Sometimes you can start rehab with the fractures um, still healing. It, it just depends on what your orthopedic um, doctor MD or surgeon says. So we, we follow their orders too. I mean, sometimes we can, you know, make our own plan, but then sometimes they have their own protocols. And so we follow those. Another thing that people asked about were do inserts. So, you know, you go to a running store and you get running shoes and then they're like, oh, we have these custom inserts that we can get made. Or here's some, we recommend these orthotic inserts for your shoes because the shoes aren't quite right. Do those inserts actually help with knee pain or heel pain? And then... If not, or if so, even if they do, what are some other ways you can address knee and heel pain? If you're, I'm a big proponent of making sure that your shoes fit properly. So getting tested at a running store, I tell people all the time, even people who aren't runners, even just any of my normal everyday patients who are having certain pains, a lot of times it really is just their shoes. And sometimes they do need an orthotic and that's fine. And then we also address... Uh, some of the other issues, which is usually hip weakness and um, different weaknesses up in the hip area that cause, you know, some of these issues can be eliminated or at least improved, you know, by, by strengthening. But no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of orthotics if, if, if they're needed. Awesome. Awesome. So you should really kind of contact someone if you're having consistent knee or heel pain and um, it's not fixed by Getting a new shoe or an insert for your shoe. Yes. I mean, sometimes it's a, I will suggest you get one while we're working so that you can be relieved of some of your, your pain and discomfort. And then as we, as you get stronger, you may not need it anymore. So it just all depends. Okay. Another question from the people. How do you prevent sublation, subluxation? Sublux, sublux. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, people, I don't even know what that is. So, so give us the. Um, I don't know what that is. Subluxation is a partial dislocation. So that means it popped out of place, but not all the way. Like it popped out of place and then came back. Your spine? Are you talking about your spine? Yeah, like remember when I talked about my kneecap when I tore my ACL? Oh, oh it oh. subluxed. So it it yeah, it popped out of place a little bit and then you know they, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, mm. I like my stuff to stay where it needs to stay. So how, how do we prevent that from happening? The best way to prevent that is to make sure you're stable and your muscles are nice and strong and holding everything in place. And you want them to be as evenly strengthened as possible. So we don't want any instability. So what you're saying is runners can't just run. They probably need to do like strength training exercises as well. Yeah. That's highly recommended. Maybe lift a few weights or do some lunges and squats and things like that. Uh Yeah. All right, runners out there, if you want to prevent. And stretch. And stretch. stretch. Okay. So runners out there, if you want to prevent your your joints moving out of place where they're not supposed to, you probably should 
do those recommended strength training exercises. I know those of us who have gone through the in-training program with Amy Begley and her coaching staff, (laughs) their strength training recommended and their body weight exercises that can keep you strong and keep all your stuff where it needs to be. So goal is to not have your kneecap pop out of place or a disc move and then come back. If you keep everything right and tight around it, they should stay in place. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Hadley. That would be awesome. Thank you. We would appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. So I guess she she likes to have patience, but um, I guess she doesn't really want you to uh, injure yourself. I don't. She's She's giving out all the gold, people. So if you have any of these issues or you want to prevent these issues, it sounds like you need to drink water, stretch, do some strengthening exercises in addition to your core workouts. Not just like your core as in I want a six pack, but your core workout as in you're a runner or you're a football player or you are a cyclist, whatever it is. All of these things generally can help keep a person healthy and Uh, moving and doing what they want to do, injury-free, pain-free. All right. So let's, let's hop back all the way to the very beginning. You were talking about your health and fitness journey. Where are you in terms of what you do to keep yourself healthy and moving and all of those things? She's making faces at me, guys. Do love it when I ask the older sister questions that make them uncomfortable. What? So I actually just completed a 30-day challenge where I did some form of cardio every day for 30 minutes. And majority of the time, I just went outside and walked. And I love to be outside, so it was great for me. There was a little kickboxing involved. There was a little bit of walking inside the house. There was some mowing up the grass. Love to do that, too. It was my mother's grass, not mine. But anyway, so... I don't know why we need that clarification. Because I don't have grass to cut. Otherwise, I'd mow the grass all the time. (laughs) Well, I have grass to cut, but I don't cut it. But anywho, so, and I'm kind to my mother, y'all. I'm a good daughter. I'm 800 miles away, so I don't have to cut the grass. Yeah. She listens to her about other stuff. So, you know, simple walking was is is what I've been doing lately. Now I am actually looking to getting back into my strength training and uh, working on my core as... You may have heard a little bit in the background that I have a a three-year-old, almost four-year-old. So we have some uh, core things we need to work on. Um, Women problem. Sorry, y'all. And so... So maybe we'll have you come back on and talk a little bit about postpartum health and getting the core right and tight and what things have worked for you, what recommendations you can make and from the physical therapist point of view. She can't say no because I'm her sister. So really, she'll be back. She'll talk about these things. I have an episode at some point in the future about that. I'm not having kids. I don't have any kids. So I'm going to let the people who have them and the experts talk about all the things that I know some of y'all do and want to get right and tight and keep it that way. Or you're going to in the future and want to know what you can do preventively. So We'll have her back on to talk about that. But in the meantime, in between time, can you recommend a go-to source blog, book, or something that will help a person on a health and fitness journey who wants to read a little bit more about how their body moves and functions or maybe even a recommended source of where to find stretches or something to that effect? Well, in self-promotion, shamelessly, 
there's always Focus Mobility PT on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, there's my website, focusmobilitypt.com. There's also TJ Tells that she gives good chips and gems, which is what we're on right now. So, you know, those are the two best ones that I know. Uh, I don't even have to pay her to say it. It's amazing. She does, in all fairness, I, I'm while I'm biased, I also tell the truth. And I probably tell more of the truth about her and where she comes from and tell her, Mm-mm, that's not right or it is right. But the tips that she posts on Tuesdays on Instagram are amazing. I try and share them in my story. So if you're following both of us, you should catch the tips one way or the other. And it's there's some gems out there right now for the work at home person who needs to stay ergonomic because we're doing a lot more sitting than we were even doing prior to going in the house before everything went on lockdown. And there are some great tips. I will put in the show notes a link to the Instagram accounts and the web pages so that you can find her on the interwebs. So last question before we go to what I call one lap around the track is what's your go-to nutrition product supplement that you use or you recommend people use? Currently I'm using the total life changes products which I'm currently loving. I use the IASO tea. I prefer the instant tea, the lemon hemp one, as a matter of fact. And I'm using their energy, spelled NRG, pill, which helps with um, sustaining energy throughout the day. So like you don't get that midday, two to three o'clock, I want to take a siesta, you know, feel where you just, just are sleepy. You don't have that at all throughout the day. Plus, it curbs your appetite a little bit when you combine it with the tea. So that's helpful. Tea helps detox your gut and things of that nature. And I'm also doing the NutriBurst Plus multivitamin, which I started first before the tea and the energy pill. And I noticed an increase in my metabolism. So if you do want to, I may go ahead and post it on my site. Check out my before and after pictures from my 30 day challenge. That was, it was a part of that product. Then you, you can see them and you'll see the uh, positive effects I got from them. Thank you for that. I'll put a link to the website where you can check out all of the total life health. Did I get it right? Did I get it in the right order? Total, total life changes, TLC. Total life changes products. And you can check it out for yourself. And um, I'll put it, Put a link up there so that you can see it, check it out, and also put a link to her Instagram post that shows the before and after. It's actually uh, pretty impressive. I have not tried the stuff yet. Where are my samples at? Because she's supposed to be hooking me up, and she hasn't hooked me up yet with the samples, so I could try it. So I could, so I can give you all the real skinny on those products. But right now, she's told you enough truth that you could trust her and try those teas out and see how you like it. But I will be trying at least one of those products so I can give you a little bit more information about the total life changes and their products and how they do for the everyday average person who works out sometimes, but not always. All right. Give me the first thing that pops into your head and we are going to do the last lap around the track. One word to describe your journey. Trying. Favorite snack. 
Still Cheez-Its. Most hated exercise. Lunges. One item that's in your gym bag or your workout kit. Gloves. The last thing you ate. Chickpea pasta with turkey. Ground turkey. Oh, this is the first one that's had something healthy or maybe the second one. Every time I ask that question, someone's just eating like a piece of chocolate or a piece of cake or something like that, which I love. But thank you so much for coming on to the TJ Tells It podcast, giving all of the information from the physical therapist standpoint. We much appreciate it. And we will have you back on to talk about that postpartum core and strengthening exercises and then what you can do preventatively wise so that all my ladies who are gonna have a baby or had a baby no matter how long ago or how old your baby is you can also get hooked up with some specific tips tricks and all the things because I don't know anything about that but I will share it on my platform so that you can have it thank you again and much appreciated you're quite welcome. And there may be a surprise with that postpartum uh, information. Oh, yeah. Okay. Surprises. It's, it's not the baby. The baby, not the... Anyway, no. anyway, that's, that's all I have for you today, people. Thank you for listening to the TJ Tells It podcast. I'll be back next week with another fantastic episode that keeps you motivated and moving along your journey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time for another episode of the TJ Tells It podcast, telling about a health and fitness journey. You can find all the archive episodes and show notes at tjtellsit.com forward slash podcast. Never miss the next episode by subscribing through your favorite podcast app, such as Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play, or just sign up for my email newsletter on tjtellsit.com. Not only that, signing up will score you a free weekly fitness planner. You can send your questions to tj at tjtellsit.com. In between episodes, you can follow my journey on Instagram or Twitter by following tjtellsit. Until next time.